As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. FeedBurner acquisition rumors have been flying recently, so we were lucky to pin him down and ask him the burning question. RSS, really simple syndication or really sexy syndication? So in 2007, Google acquires FeedBurner. This is a fantastic result for young CEO Dick Costello and for a company that was not yet five years old. Here's an interesting fact about that acquisition. On the day that the the FeedBurner team started working at Google, it was the first day of a new quarter. Michael, why is that interesting? Well, anyone in a management position now, first day on the job, they need to figure out their OKRs for the next quarter. But many of them don't even know what OKRs are. So here's Rick Clow, one of the people faced with setting these mysterious OKRs on day one, telling a little bit about what that was like. 
Uh, I came to Google a uh, little over five years ago. I was part of a company, as some of you know, called FeedBurner. FeedBurner was acquired in June of 07. Um, the very first day uh, that I joined Google was the first day of a quarter, which meant that Google was already about a week and a half, two weeks into that quarter's OKR process. I didn't know what OKRs meant. Um, I was asked to draft my OKRs within my new team. Um, I, I really didn't have any idea what was expected of me. Um, certainly at startups prior to Google had never had a formal process of setting my objectives um, or measuring goals. Um, but in the last five years, I've set OKRs as a biz dev lead, as a product manager on a couple of uh, different products, and then more recently in, in my time as a, as a partner at Google Ventures. So today we're going to dive into how you can use the same techniques that Google and Intel have used to scale their businesses in the form of KPIs and OKRs. We're going to learn what they mean. You're going to hear stories about how they can change the trajectory of your business and figure out which one is the best for you. Welcome to Rocketship.fm podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Goldman. So to break it down, a KPI really is just a data point. It stands for Key Performance Indicator. And really all that means is that it's one piece of data that you're tracking that you're going to use to measure yourself against a larger goal and see if you're achieving uh, those larger objectives. OKR stands for Objective and Key Results. So I was talking with Kevin Lee over at Buffer, and he explained it in a way that I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I guess literally it's an objective and key result. Um, What it means for us is kind of just this way of of keeping each other accountable for what we set out to achieve at the start of a quarter. It's a tool that we use to stay focused on what we identify as as being useful goals to have when we start a quarter. And it's a way to kind of follow up and see what kind of success we were able to achieve and what we learned throughout the quarter, given this framework and this foundation that uh, we kind of set off toward. And what that means is you're basically setting um, a big aspirational goal. That's the objective piece. And the key results are the measurable um, steps that are going to help you get to that big goal. OKRs are typically kind of future and forward looking, whereas KPIs are measuring the things you're doing right now. And so the way I see it, you can have a KPI on its own, but you can't have OKRs without KPIs. Interesting. So it sounds like a KPI would be, say, the amount of revenue we bring in each month, and we might set a goal to increase that by 5 or 10%. Whereas an OKR would be, we want to enter a new market vertical, and these are the different points with which we're going to measure it in order to get to that objective. Right. I don't know if this metaphor works either. I was thinking an objective could be like a meal, like dinner or breakfast or lunch, and a key result could be a part of that meal, so a sandwich or a waffle or a steak, and then a KPI could be an ingredient that goes into one of those dishes. So flour or sugar or salt or something like that. 
So we're going to start with KPIs and we're going to go through how a company like Prezi uses them internally. We've talked about this in in other episodes. There's so much data at our fingertips and there's so many things we can track that it's actually a lot harder to get down to the two or three things that that high level are going to be the most impactful for you to focus on. And so figuring out what KPIs to track is actually a lot more difficult than figuring out how to track them. And we grabbed a lot of this information from the article, How to Set Your KPIs by Andres Balug, who was a former data analyst at Prezi. We did reach out for an interview, but uh, we couldn't get anything scheduled in time. Prezi had a couple good rules on how they set KPIs. The first being it had to be tightly connected to the company's strategy. So if it's not, it was not a KPI that they would track. It needed to represent actual usage in the app. So there had to be data tied to the KPI that was trackable and actionable. And then for Prezi, not necessarily you, but for them, they wanted everything to include retention because that was the big problem they were trying to solve. So they based all their KPIs around user retention with the overarching goal of make something people want. So what's an example of a KPI that might indicate an improvement in retention? So we have a couple right off the bat, right? We have returning users. We have how often people use it each month. And then financially, you can look at churn, which is how long are they subscribing for? When do they cancel? Or are they upgrading and growing further into the product? And actually how Prezi approaches it is they walked right through their user acquisition funnel. So one of the first metrics that they tracked was user signups. And then once they got that number to a point where they were happy with it, they went one step deeper into the funnel. So for a KPI, it should be a goal that you have of a single metric to improve. And you want to focus on only a couple of these in a given time period so that you can properly measure and you can properly have enough time to make a well-informed decision. Now, KPIs are very kind of data-heavy, data-driven, and very focused on the now. So I asked Thomas Canole of Reverie what he had worked with KPIs or OKRs and what his general opinion of them was. I mean, we've done KPIs, but I don't know. KPIs are just an acronym for a thing. And OKRs is a process. So you can do OKRs. You can't do KPIs. So I think that's why it's effective. So which one is better for you? But we're going to dive into OKRs right after a word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. 
Now, back to the show. So OKRs are about the big thinking, the big idea. Um, with with setting an objective, you're you're picking a big goal that's ambitious. Um, some people say it should feel a little bit uncomfortable. You're pushing those limits of what you think you can achieve. And the key results are the measurable pieces like the KPIs. They're the measurable pieces that help you step-by-step uh, step achieve that goal. It's kind of like when Kim and I first got married, we were really young and we didn't have a budget. Here's Thomas Canol outlining what it's like to start OKRs for the first time. You know, we just paid for things and we'd run out of money and then like, oh, we got to slow down for the next couple of days and then, you know, get another paycheck and like, okay, let's just go do whatever. And we always stayed alive and did okay. Um, And then we did a budget and all of a sudden it was like how are we staying alive and being okay? Because when we fill in the blanks on this budget and measure exactly what's coming in and what's going out, all of a sudden, it's like, there's no way this should be working. And life feels a whole lot harder all of a sudden. Um, So I think the first time setting up OKRs, the biggest thing that the result is like, it can feel really frustrating because all of a sudden you're constantly looking at progress towards some of these objectives that you have that are very measurable. And so you have reporting set up to get that measurement out on a regular basis. So while we were doing the research for this article, one of the things I found really interesting that I didn't know was that when you set an OKR, you can set an OKR for the entire company. This becomes your mission statement. This is your big lofty goal that you want to hit. And then underneath that, you build multiple other OKRs per division and then even per employee or team member. Right. And and the key thing is that these are quantifiable, that you can measure these steps so that that big goal you set Here's isn't how so they fluffy, work. that you actually can work Step towards it. one, you need to set an objective. Now, this should be a big idea. This should be the overarching goal, something that if you achieved it, it makes a difference in the trajectory of your business. So when you're thinking about an objective, think big. If we take Prezi, for instance, it may be building a product that people love. And this is what you are going to focus your entire company around, around achieving this goal from your happiness team to your growth team, to your product team, to your sales team. They're going to all know this goal and you're going to figure out how each of them can work to achieve it. I mean, in order to achieve any really large goal, you have to break it down into smaller pieces. It has to be bite-sized. It has to be something you can measure and then work your way towards that larger thing. So in the case of Prezi, if their larger goal was to make something that people love, how would you go about breaking that down into smaller pieces? So they might break that down into retention and signups. And then they'd say... We want to improve retention by 30% and we want to improve signups by 15. So this sets the big lofty goal. And maybe at that time, 
realistically, they could improve retention by 10% and signups by 6. But that's not how we set the key results in an OKR. We set them extremely high, so we, we're shooting to the moon. Ideally, we hit 70% of the goal that we set. You're not supposed to be getting all 100s up and down the line. You should be kind of hitting around 70% because if you're hitting all 100s, you will never know how much bigger, further, longer you could have gotten on that objective because it's human nature to kind of slow down when you get to the finish line. And so what this does is it helps to have those tough conversations. So you can say, we wanted to get here, but we got 70% of the way there. What, what would make up that 30%? What, what could we do slightly better? And when you force those hard conversations, you get the answers and the ideas that you need in order to achieve a goal that big. If you're setting OKRs where you're just hitting 100% every time, you're not aiming high enough. And you're also not forcing those hard conversations about how to get better. Now, we found a use case from Blogger, who was acquired by Google, and they had an objective of improving Blogger's reputation. So how did they break that down? So their big idea, improving their retention, not necessarily measurable, right? But the key things that they set out to affect that big idea, those were things like reestablish bloggers' leadership by speaking at three industry events. So that's something you can literally check off a list. Then they wanted to coordinate their 10th birthday party with PR efforts. Now, a little bit looser, but it's a specific action that can be achieved. Then they wanted to ID and reach out to the top 10 blogger users. So it's got a number. You can measure it. You either miss it or you hit it. Another thing they wanted to do was set up an at blogger account on Twitter and regularly participate in these blogger discussions. And again, that's something measurable. And you can even break it down further by saying things like, I want to participate in X discussions a week. And then you can check that off a list that it's done. And by doing these measurable things, at the end, you can look back when everything's completed and say, okay, I've completed everything on the list. Did it affect the larger goal? So if they had a company-wide goal of improving bloggers' reputation, they can then take that goal and break it down by department. Your social media team has a set of you know, 10 things that they want to accomplish in that quarter that are going to be different 10 things than your sales team might want to accomplish. But if they're all working towards that same goal, you're across the board, your team is working together to achieve something. And this is how big organizations move collectively. This is the power of the OKR system because now you have one company-wide objective that's broken down into division-wide objectives, which is broken down into employee-specific objectives, all with key results backing it up at each level to measure the success of are we, say, improving our reputation. So, Joel, what are some other 
tips that we need in order to implement OKRs? Okay, so all this time we've been talking about how the larger goal, the big objective, the O in the OKR, that's not necessarily measurable, but everything underneath it is. So those KPIs, those key results, you've been measuring those things all along, working towards this larger goal. But there has to be some way to know if you've hit that goal or if you've come pretty close, and if so, how close. And so there's a grading system that has been kind of put in place to help you decide uh, how close you've really come to that goal. And so here's how that works. So you have a number, you have lots of key results, so maybe three to four or five key results for every objective. Each of the key results is graded on a scale of zero to one. And there's different ways of looking at that. It could be if you set out to grow your email subscribers by 20,000 last quarter and you grew them by 10,000, you would score yourself a 0.5 for that key result. So kind of like the percentage of how far you got. Uh, Sometimes there's some binary key results you might set. So ship this thing by whatever date and did you do it or did you not do it? So it's either a zero or a one. Uh, So you take all those, those key result scores for an objective and you average them out, and that becomes the objective score, on, again, on a scale of 0 to 1. Um, and then you have 3 to 5 objectives, so each of those now has a, their own, its own score. So you average the scores for all those to come up with your overall score, again, which is a, a 0 to 1 so scale. So how many OKRs should you be focused on at a given time? Google sets it at 4 to 6 tops per quarter, so that you're really focused on just a couple big goals that you're trying to achieve. So why would you start OKRs right now? Maybe you're two or three people. Maybe you just scaled to 40 or 150 employees. Why would you start using OKRs today if you're not already? I think one of the most important pieces of OKRs is gets everyone motivated around the same goal and it helps to formulate the company language and focus. And it's amazing what you can do when you have three or 40 or 150 people all focused on the same goal. So whether you choose to implement OKRs or KPIs, important thing is that you're using data to back up and work towards a goal and to measure your performance and continually improve. We're not going to get it right the first time, we, but we will get it right eventually. We will get it right by going with our gut, setting a goal and backing it up with data. It's a winning combination every single time. Huge thanks to Segment.com for underwriting this series and allowing us to bring this content to you. So go to Segment.com forward slash rocket ship and get $300 off of their team plan. You'll be joining the likes of some amazing companies that already use Segment, Product Hunt, Instacart, Crate and Barrel, Trunk Club, Lending Tree, and the list goes on and on. So go to segment.com forward slash rocket ship and check it out. Stay tuned on Sunday. We have a great interview with Derek Harris of Mesosphere. And then next Wednesday, we're doing a whole episode dedicated to how companies use data in weird and interesting ways when we were researching this i found some of the most incredible stories and i I can't wait to share them with you because i think you're going to be really inspired after hearing them 
follow us on Twitter at rocketship.fm. Follow me at Michael Sacco and Joelle at Joelle Goldman. If you haven't yet, leave us a review. You've already listened this far. Just go ahead. Give us five stars on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm not going to judge. And subscribe. Subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. All right. We'll see you back here in just a couple days.